there's a documentary called Marwin Call, which is insane. The, the naming of all, all the stories behind these things are nuts, uh, which is good. It's really interesting documentary about this real guy. And then there's the weird Hollywood movie version, which is. Oh, I didn't know that's what it was about. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And he makes little dolls out of women that he knows in his life. Right. And so in the movie, they're all played by recognizable actresses. And they're like this squad, like a Charlie's Angels kind of squad. And he's their commander. And his ex-wife, who doesn't exist in real life, like is this other doll character that keeps coming in and enchanting them and bringing little Nazi figures back to life. It's crazy. What? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I do like doll movies that are crazy. Yeah. I don't know that we ever properly reviewed Annette. Had you not seen it yet, or did we just kind of... I think I'd I think not we, seen it. No, we talked about it. We did review it. It made it into the title of last time, but I just don't... There was, you didn't I have much to say. Think, I don't think I'd seen it yet. Well, we, no, we, yeah, because we didn't We didn't talk about it the week you hadn't. Enough. How could I not have anything to say? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we talked about watch, it. How could you watch Annette and have nothing to say? I don't know. I thought it strange myself. I but think you were you, had you were kind of speak of it. You were speechless. No. Okay. I'm going to go back and listen. Yeah, go back. We did talk about it. But then see if you have anything else to say after you. Did I get to sing said. We Love Each Other So Much? <laughs> yes, I think we, yes, we hey. talked about the the lyrics. Love each the, other. Can we, can we do it again? <laughs> so much. <laughs> Yeah, you, we talked about how you watched it again and you liked it better the second time. Well, I did like it, but I think this was just a message. I think you're dreaming this. No, we talked about it. We talked really? about it. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I did like it a lot better and I've been telling people to watch it and mm-hmm. I, I really like Baby Annette now. Yeah. <laughs> Top 10 a, of the year. Top a 10. unique, wow. A unique cinematic creation, Baby Annette. Yeah, Baby Annette. We talked about it on the, the, the like what they think a, a, a news, a TV entertainment magazine looks like, and and what they think a stand-up uh, comic is like. Familiar, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you watch Ted Lasso? Yeah, I haven't watched the new season yet, but I like. I'm only Lasso. a few episodes in, but. Uh, I gotta say, I like that show in spite of itself. Oh, it baffles great. me. It's it's very warm and cozy, and I like it. And you just love everybody on it, so you got to keep watching it. But it is the weirdest show. It's conflict free. Like somebody's grumpy. That's like every episode. I felt like the first season. No, I, I guess it. you're in first season, so everybody's terrible, and then Ted Lasso teaches them how to love. Well, not just that, but I felt like the tension was. Hannah Waddingham's and she has that really powerful scene of confession yeah where there's like this underlying truth that is in the way of this deepening relationship and she knows she has to tell it and I thought that was really powerful yeah yeah I'm forgetting that season one did have some interesting stuff season two which I'm only a few episodes into is like everybody's now in Ted Lasso land and everybody's happy I think actually it's a bit flipped because it seems like the trajectory is his kind of, you know, love has his, his kind of aw shucks, uh, good old boy spirit has spread to everybody, but he seems to be getting a little dark. He seems to be going astray. So maybe they're all going to help him out. 
I over see. the course of this season. But weird show, but yeah, compelling and uh, and yeah, popular like apparently. Oh yeah, I like it a lot. Did well, did well last night. Sure did. Uh, yeah. So, I guess then we have two movies to talk about. Count them. Uh, number one, The Card Counter. Number two, Malignant. Nice. So, uh, I will, I'll kick us off by talking about The Card Counter as I bring up the deets because it's been a couple weeks. So, The Card Counter, of course, is the newest Paul Schrader joint, uh, executive produced by Martin Scorsese. Of course, who uh, kind of made Schrader. Um, this is an action drama thriller. Action? Really? IMDb? Action? I don't know if I would watch that and call that an action thriller. Uh, the Card Counter, told with Schrader's trademark cinematic intensity, uh, tells the story. Uh, the revenge thriller tells the story of an ex-military interrogator turned gambler haunted by ghosts of his past. So here's the thing. Uh, you and I both really liked First Reformed, mm-hmm. uh, Schrader's previous movie to this one. And it there is kind of a Paul Schrader template, which is a man who is kind of a shell of himself when we meet him, who has some kind of a past uh, or is in some way like just uh, scraping up against the sins of America, whether or not he himself is complicit or there's just always some kind of a political message to why this main character has lost all hope or has gone insane or is going to go on a rampage. But I thought that this one was a particularly weird uh, variation on that. It was a weird kind of, uh, it was a little different. It was, it was the same in some ways and different in other ways. So uh, Oscar Isaac plays uh, a character who calls himself William Tell, who has been, we know that he's been in prison. He was in prison for 10 years. And we know that since he's out, all he does is go around and do small stakes card counting at casinos all over the country. When he starts to win too big, he takes off, goes to a new town, gets a motel room, ties cloth around every object in the room. <laughs> What was that about? I, I don't, I think it's, I don't know. It baffled me, but then I think it's something to do with the sterility of the prison environment and not wanting to being put off by too many things. But the weird part is that he then goes and spends all of his time in casino bars right. and casino rooms where everything is just lit up and crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but me, you know, here's something else I didn't know, Dan, that I just learned. I was educated by listening to, um, another podcast review this film apparently there's a french uh filmmaker called bresson okay and uh robert bresson french director who is apparently uh like schrader's obsessed with him and he has a movie for example called diary of a country priest which everything in first reformed is like a a a kind of a, a homage or a rearranged piece of that movie and same thing here with Card Counter. I don't remember the name of the movie that's being kind of riffed on here. So that's this new wave French director apparently uh, has given Schrader all of his like, f- you know, unique fascinations in cinema. So okay. not knowing that, maybe that that maybe that aspect of him t- t- tying cloth around everything has something to do with the movie that I haven't seen. 
So um, I didn't realize that until recently. The movie also features Ty Sheridan as Kirk with a C, a uh, troubled young man who he happens to meet in a conference room in uh, one of these casino hotels where uh, Willem Dafoe as uh, a man who's just listed as Gordo in the uh, IMDb. He is a consultant who we come to find out had a major role in uh, consulting with the U S military specifically in Abu Ghraib and in their uh, interrogation and torture programs following the uh, 9-11 and the Iraq war. And uh, essentially we come to find out William Tell was also at Abu Ghraib and he, as well as several other lower tier staff members uh, and uh, officers who the ones specifically who appeared in the photos that everybody saw when the, uh, when the Abu Ghraib uh, stuff leaked out, they're the ones who went to jail and all the big shots like Willem Dafoe's character just went off and started consulting and made millions of dollars and had no consequences. Ty Sheridan's character. I've, it's been a while. I don't, I don't remember his connection, but I believe his father was also right. one of the guards and he had actually since killed himself. And Ty Sheridan wants to plot along with Oscar Isaac to get revenge on Willem Dafoe. Meanwhile, Tiffany Haddish is also there as La Linda. Uh, very interesting casting. I liked her a lot in this movie. I don't know about how well she was used, but I just enjoyed the energy that she brought to the movie. It has been interesting to see her in interviews where she claims that uh, Schrader is constantly asking her to tone it down and not uh, act too big and uh, to like basically not be, perform like herself. But um Anyway, yeah, that's, I'm not going to, I guess I'm not going to give too much more away, Dan, other than just to say, the reason I think that this movie is kind of Schradery and not Schradery is you've got this Oscar Isaac character who is this troubled shell of a man. He seems to be descending into madness, but he's also kind of fine. I got, that's what right. I thought was so weird about this movie is he doesn't, yes, it does. The movie does descend into a particular tragic bent and it has a, a, some blood at the end, but the worst things that happen in this movie happen off screen and the character seems very content at the end of the film. So I, I just thought it was a very strange version of the Paul Schrader. Like it's, it's got all the ingredients. It's got the political intrigue and the sins of the past of America and of the character and of the darkness. And is this man, you, w there's a scene where Oscar Isaac finally relents and goes on a sort of a date with La Linda to some like big light show. Um, and I figured, okay, this is it. This is the peak of this guy's happiness. Everything after this in this movie is going to be horrific and terrible. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to have to sit through it and watch it. And it just kind of, some bad stuff happens, but off screen and it's, you know, and then stuff happens and then it's over. It was, I don't know. I'm rambling a lot about the movie, Dan. I enjoyed watching the card counter. It's peculiar. It's interesting. Like everything Schrader makes, but I thought it was a very strange one. How did you feel about it? I agree that it was strange. I felt it was pretty uninteresting, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean compared to what I would expect of there being more intrigue with the story or weird things happening, I would expect it to get more and more tense and go to some sort of crescendo where you're just watching a, a train wreck unfold. Yeah. Even at first reformed where there's no... Um, relief of that tension it just sort of ends which is to me something i loved about that movie 
Um, this just felt like you're following this guy around. Why exactly he is a card player? That wasn't clear. What did I don't think it had any more point than just that he was. The yeah. uh meeting with uh with Kirk with a C is so coincidental. Mm-hmm. It you know, it's completely unbelievable. I liked Haddish a lot. I I didn't know why she was there really or what her function was supposed to be. I thought she brought a, a cool energy rather than casting someone else they might have cast. I don't know. I to guess me, it's like him putting Richard Pryor in blue collar, like just making yeah, an interesting choice. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it was an interesting choice. And I I was really reflecting on her performance, even even as I was watching and thinking like, wow, she's really doing a good job with not very much mm-hmm. there. I wouldn't know how she's supposed to play this character because her character doesn't have much, isn't really involved in the drama and yeah. she needs to be charismatic and she needs to be believable as someone who would go along with this guy. And I thought she did great. I, I liked her a lot yeah. in this movie. It was just a very unique performance that is probably a combination of her natural charisma and a little bit of uh, toning it down from Schrader, which I think it came together beautifully. Hmm. Um, and I feel like when to, to compare it to First Reformed, which is maybe unfair, you've got this major existential threat like climate change that Ethan Hawke has his mind and heart open to in the course of this movie. Really, the Abu Ghraib... You know, it doesn't seem like it has the same gravity as as a topic for Schrader um, compared even to, mm-hmm. you know, the the idea of unions or, you know, s- some big thing. Right. What, what was the meaning of this? Is this a bigger elegy on the Iraq war? I didn't mm-hmm. really read it that way. Um, I wondered is, at the beginning, oh, is the OCD originally, you know, um, Tiffany Haddish orders a drink. He orders like a a water. I wonder, oh, is he oh, is he sober? No, he drinks later. Mm-hmm. He, he drinks like all of those characters, just constantly at a journal drinking, drinking. Right. Um. Uh, so I wondered what what is up with this? What is up with this guy? Um. He just wants to be in prison. This is like kind of Shawshanky. Uh, um. Yeah, I I just felt like I walked away from it not really knowing what I just witnessed. Yeah. What was yeah. that supposed to be about? What was I supposed to have taken away or felt? Um, but right. that said, I enjoyed watching watching it. I liked the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Isaac was great. He seemed had that like sexy coolness. Yeah, I wish I could be like him. Yeah, he's good at being an intense dude. Yeah. A couple of detail oriented things. I think some of these just might have to do with this movie being directed by an eighty two year old or whatever. You know, uh, Mr. Schrader is. The way that it depicts people consuming media, like news, mm-hmm. was very like there's cell phones, but they're I don't, the depiction of them was strange. And then you've got a couple of scenes of him watching like footage of the local news on a laptop. Yeah. So is he watching a YouTube clip of the news that show? You know what I mean? Like right. it just felt like it had the technology that people would have, but it just didn't feel like there was an understanding of how it works or how people consume information or even communicate with each other. But uh, it wasn't like deal breaking or too distracting, but I noticed a couple of those things. And then at the end, 
All right. So, uh, spoiler alert, climactic events happen in the home of Willem Dafoe's character. And Oscar Isaac, by the end of that sequence, comes out. And then I felt a little bit like Shades of Taxi Driver. He's got a mangled hand. Uh, and like his finger is hanging off the next scene he's in prison and obviously enough time has gone by that there was probably a trial and there's probably been through a lot, but his hair is not yet cut short. His hair is still the length it was in that scene. And he doesn't even have a bandage. Like he just, his hand is fine. I found that distractingly weird. Like maybe there's a piece missing there or that said, I did like ending for all the weirdness of the movie the the moment and the feeling that it chooses to end on i found strangely interesting and satisfying but i don't know that those were a couple things that i noticed also i'm reminded here by imdb of the character of mr usa oh yeah (laughs) the obnoxious poker champion who follows him around everywhere i mean did poker have anything to do with it was there an allegory or any analogy no, you'd think the character would, I mean, maybe this is too obvious and too Hollywood, but do you think the character at some point would like explain why counting cards makes me feel like the world makes sense because right. it doesn't because of what I went through or no, it's just a thing. Having to like make a calculation based on an educated guess that like matters at a crucial moment, you know, yeah. or, or some, some layer, but yeah. just you like, no, this is just kind of what he does. Like in first reformed, it doesn't go out of its way to explain things, but the fact that Ethan Hawke is a priest or a minister, it you understand, Here's you just get it through the iconography. Like, here's somebody whose job is supposed to be telling people how the universe works and how to be okay, mm-hmm. and he sees the world falling apart around him in ways that he has absolutely no influence over so he's going mad like it doesn't have to explain it for it to make some kind of sense everything made sense because that was the whole impetus of that couple seeking him in the Mm -hmm. first place that was how he knew the one woman who he hates you know and how Mm -hmm. he kind of came to love um amanda seifert i I just felt like that worked on every level and it's not like this didn't work it worked just fine yeah i just didn't know what it was about it felt like a 70s story yeah. I felt like maybe it was written in the 70s and then transposed to the 21st century because uh-huh. you could all the stuff in Casino, everything in this movie, you just would need a different impetus. You don't have the same history. You don't have Abu Ghraib. Right. You switch it for switch it for Vietnam or something like it kind of seems like maybe that was it. Maybe it would have been better without <clears throat> phones. Or... A guy who had been in Vietnam and now he just counts cards and goes and acts like a weirdo in hotel rooms, mm-hmm. motel rooms. Right. That it almost feels like maybe it was transposed, you know, to a different time. Yeah. And the cell phones and the whatever stuff feels so out of place. Very curious. Always interesting. I'll see any movie that Schrader oh, makes, yeah. but, uh, I mean, I would love to live like this guy. I think Yeah, I, I love, uh, motels and casinos mm-hmm. and just like keeping to myself. Like that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just so strange. And there's one scene where the movie even does a fake out where you think, you know, he he kind of lures Ty Sheridan back to his room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, oh, it's going down. This is going to get sick. But even then I was thinking, yeah, but there's no, he clearly cares about this kid. Right. So he's not, I, I didn't think for a moment he was actually going to torture him. No. But the movie, like for some reason, gives him a bag of torture devices. Very, very strange. It felt like it feels like Schrader either intentionally toying with the, the expectations for his own movies or 
just something where he couldn't help himself but pepper in some things that didn't pay off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fascinating film. Love it. Yeah. Uh, four stars recommend. Right. All right, Dan, you get to introduce us to the world of Malignant. Malignant, for all the ease that I've had in being able to watch this, I actually watched it in an emergency this morning because I oh. just hadn't <laughs> seen it. So it's super so it's fresh. fresh. Super fresh. <laughs> it is an American horror film directed by James Wan and stars Annabelle Wallace as oh and th- I have some local insight to this because this is a Oh that's right, it's the Pacific Northwest. This is a Seattle uh specific story. Anyway, she plays um Emily May or Maddie Lake Mitchell depending on what time of her life we're talking about. And she begins to have visions of people who are being murdered, but the events are happening in real life. She has a strange psychic connection to what's going on. Um, We learn things from her past, like that she was adopted and has no memory of anything that happened before the adoption you know, adopted as a child, not a not an infant. And things get wilder and wilder and scarier and more vicious, brutal, supernatural seeming murders are happening all around. She begins to be suspected by this team of detectives who are uh, following her around. And uh, ultimately, we do get, I mean, if not satisfying answers, some actual <laughs> answers to what's going on here. Uh, family secrets from at least a generation ago are revealed. And there's some nefarious medical practices going on or at a now defunct um, facility. Castle. <laughs> Castle. In the, I mean, so I have a lot to say about all mm-hmm. of these details, but... Um, what, what what did you what did you think of uh, malignant malignant? Right. Uh, I had a, a a roller coaster of a time that ended up being a mostly entertaining and fun experience with mm-hmm. this pretty terrible movie. Like I feel like this is a couple of inches away from just being a made for sci fi channel movie, and then it gets injected with some real some real stretches of logic and and whatever but i don't know i feel like it was a good swing and i i have some real weird respect for this movie for just being campy and going for it nothing really makes sense but i liked it i have one i guess i'll just yeah the one thing i really like about it and i don't want to i don't know how much we're going to get into the details of what's actually going on in the movie but I guess one of the things I like about it is I was just thinking recently, no one has tried to come up with a new like horror figure, like a horror character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this movie gives us one yes. that could have like a franchise of increasingly worse and worse sequels. But it just sets up iconography and rules. And, uh, you know, I think that was the cool thing that this movie did. Yeah, I think that Seattle was a good location for it. I like the inclusion of the Seattle underground. I don't know why that worked, but even though that hospital was huge and foreboding and off of a cliff and well above the ground, there's something about that facility that seemed like it was like an underground bunker, whatever mm-hmm. was going on there. 
and that they tied that to what's happening in the city. By the way, why was there a huge facility like that off the highway, like in the middle of nowhere, overlooking water? Why would that ever right. have been functioning right. way out in the middle of nowhere? Why wouldn't it yeah. have been in a metro area? Right, because you need a you need a horror location. You a need remote, matte painting. Remote location. <laughs> yeah, and I had a, I had questions though. Mm-hmm. I had some questions. <laughs> I'll bet one of them had to do with the supernatural elements, because mm-hmm. e- even if we went along with the premise about this this twin. Um, that she's dealing with this person who's like maybe her imaginary friend, maybe something more real, maybe more sinister named Gabriel. Um, what is, the, where does the supernatural strength come from and the seeming telekinesis to right. explode light bulbs and throw people across rooms? Where, where does that come from? Well, Yes, and I think I know the answer, which is bad. It's one of the things I don't like about this movie. Now, first of all, though, you're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to a fleeting couple of lines that that I that okay. may or may not have been missed. But you're right that when it comes to the big re- revelations of this movie, they're not about that. Right. They're about whether or not this twin imaginary friend, you know, exists or not. Right. They don't actually ever get around to it. However, they do the one thing that I don't like, which is the raped by criminals trope which is something that's only spoken about very briefly but apparently her mother who gives her up to this institution or Uh whatever was either raped by the devil or raped by a bunch of criminals or some one of those kind of things because i remember hearing the line i was not fully paying attention to this movie which is why i also missed something in the beginning that i picked up later from other people chattering which was that her abusive husband, boyfriend, I don't know, the guy she uh-huh. lives with in the beginning of the movie actually awakens Gabriel right. when he pushes her against a wall. I had yes, that. I, I did manage to grab that. But do you remember the line about, uh, I think it was the, you know, when her adoptive mother and her adopted sister are watching videotapes and talking about stuff. I mm-hmm. think it's casually mentioned that there was this kind of hit bad history. And I don't, I didn't really like. Yeah. But why would that give you supernatural ability? Cause it's a horror movie and that's a cheap way to make a, a, a super villain. Yeah. Okay. And then I had some more questions too. Um, <laughs> so they share a brain as well as a body. So how is Gabriel able to have his own thoughts and plan and plot his own path. How does he right. know family history? How does he know that he was rejected by his mother if mm-hmm. she doesn't know that? How you know what I mean? Yeah. Did the mother yeah. actively reject him? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. She just rejected. She gave her baby up for adoption. Right. Yeah. But by the time we find out what's going on and and the, that fact, as you say, that they share a brain and a body, all that stuff is moot because now we're into a last act of the movie action horror. you know, they kind of sidestep a lot of those kind of questions. It, a lot of it doesn't make sense. How does she see events where she would have been physically facing the other direction? Right. 
That's exactly what. Well, I guess because she shares a brain and like somehow. Uh, yeah, I guess because to... they they always go back to that. Oh, we share a brain, so he can he can because he they did my... that thing like that when they were being tested in the laboratory that like she was mm-hmm. faced away, but she could see that. That's right. So there you go. Gabriel That's why. Saw. See, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> make sense. Yes, and then also the her her birth mother. So first off, I have white people face blindness. Mm-hmm. I can't tell the difference between anybody. <laughs> And so yeah. for a long time, I thought that, first off, the doctor at the facility and right. the protagonist and her mother were the same person. Oh, wow. So that was a little bit of confusion that I yeah. had with the plot. And then I thought, how in ladies. the world can that woman be her mother? They're mm-hmm. like the same age. Right. And so I suppose if it were a teen pregnancy, they might be close in age. But yeah. my read on that woman giving that underground tour was that she could have been a peer with the uh, with the main woman, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just my misread. Mm-hmm. But I think the implication was that she was extremely young when it happened because yeah. she was, you know, raped by the devil or whatever. I well, I guess so. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to keep flippantly using that phrase, but that's the trope, and that, that is one of the things that there are a few things like that that bothered me that were just like tired. But I gotta say, the central idea is bonkers as it is of this creepy creature this creepy horror movie creature that actually turns out to be a woman behaving in in like reverse or like walking back like that's crazy but it's weirdly compelling no that was a good idea i i liked that a lot and i mean you can put aside the parts of the story that don't make sense i was just curious about them because they're excellent questions because why not figure out those things Right. And in, and include them in the storytelling. And it does the stupid thing that so many movies do, which is, uh, oh, he's going systematically after every one of the doctors. And then they, you, you know, you cut to each one of them. And uh, it just. How does he have that ability? I know. Yeah. How does he have a sense of self? Right. That, un- that remembers history and can use the internet and deduce where people live. And, you know. Right. I do not get that. Yeah. And and so there's a couple local quibbles mm-hmm. that, you know, they said they needed to go to an apartment building on Beacon Hill. Well, guess what? That's my actual neighborhood. Wow. I'm, I'm coming in live from Beacon Hill right here. Wow. And let me tell you. Look out for Gabriel. There's, there's nothing like that kind of a building <laughs> or wide California street mm-hmm. around these parts. Right. So that did not happen. And second oh. off. No one who lives in this area ever drives down First Avenue, not ever. And so the fact that they're like passing Pike's Market, she's like riding around in Pioneer Square at 2 a.m. for no reason. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? If you're down there, the answer is nowhere. Wow. Nowhere. Not since Route 59 was in Young Adult have you had such opinions about movie locations. I was so elated. Also, Michael Clayton um, featured that little expanse across from the Nanuet Mall, oh, like where, you yeah. know, Marshall's and that food store you like for a while was right. over there. Yeah. That's still there? It is. Oh, okay. They just started restocking Phantom and Cherry Cola this week. Oh, that's good news. It's great news. Uh, yes. Well, that's all very exciting. And um, this, it feels like there's been a lot of Seattle movies lately. And is the is this is the underground in this movie connected to the one from pig oh i don't know but um that's a real tour though right i heard that, that you can oh, actually take that, that tour that that is a real tour 
Um, it's interesting if you like walk around certain areas of downtown Seattle, you'll see like these little purple, like they look like little gems or stones like in the pavement. Mm. Um, and it's kind of strange, but what that is, it's light to the underground. Ooh. So like you look up and it's just like these little like rocky skylight of like nice. little translucent rocks. Yeah. So that's like a whole thing. Super cool. Yeah. So like, I think this movie was creative. Like yeah. I liked it in that way. And it's, it played more like a TV show though. Like mm-hmm. the, the strange opening sequence with the music and all the credits, it didn't seem like a movie. It yeah. seemed like we were watching TV. Yeah. It, very and it's very like uh indulgent visually yeah in a, in, a, in yeah i think yeah i had a lot of it lost it, it starts strong it has that opening where i was like what is this this isn't what i was expecting mm-hmm. the little cold open about uh, whatever you know hunting down what mm-hmm. turns out to be gabriel and then it kind of gets boring and then when right. the pieces come together i feel like once the lady who turns out to be the birth mother mm-hmm. falls through the floor into the the yeah. rumpus room of the Mitchells. I that I kind of got my attention. I was like, "Whoa, okay." And I feel like from there on, at least interesting things were happening. If they were crazy, yeah. And I guess it's just a really well insulated house. Yeah. I know. She, I know she was tied up and stuff. But well, she had a big you... industrial fan that's just constantly going up in her. Uh, right. I just thought, like, attic. really, you nobody in the whole house could hear this person thrashing <laughs> right. about for days. But I guess if it was just you know Madison, well, yeah, there was nobody to hear it because Derek's dead and uh, right, and Gabriel isn't allowing her to understand right. or make anything of it. Interesting ideas, and probably for the best that they didn't overdo it with the lore and the explanations. Although it still manages to be overlong, and you know, I don't think horror movies or most movies should be more than like ninety hundred minutes. This is, felt like it was like two and a half hours, right? Was it? No, it wasn't. It was an. Hour. Oh, it was one fifty one. All right, so it was only, yeah. only. It felt. It felt too long. Yeah, it was. It was too long. I feel like with a little more explanation and rounding. And some cutting of the boring parts. Yeah, they could have had a really tight thriller with yeah. a with a cool monster. Or go the other direction. Give it six episodes on Netflix. Right. Take right. your time. I never would have watched it. But yeah, no. All right. Uh, well, we did it. Good job. Uh, I'm probably not going to get to a new movie this week. Just the way my schedule's working out, but I'll see something. And then um We got Dear Evan Hansen coming out. Yeah, that don't miss it. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, it's from the songwriters of La La Land, as the trailer tells me every time I see it. Well, which is weird because I think they just did some lyrics for a couple of I don't think songs. that's true. That's not yeah. It's not Justin Horowitz. No. It's this team that I believe did some of the lyrics for oh. a couple of the numbers in La La Land. Well, that's Helped a bold, pla- that's a bold yeah. claim to say yeah. from the songwriters. Well, it's La like La the, the saddest credit of all, which is from the studio that brought you right. the Truman Show or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, oh man, we can't even make an organic connection. We just have to say. Right. From the industry that brought you movies comes right. a movie. Producer Jordan Peele. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Would have loved to see something he wrote or directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think that's it. I've said my piece. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you, in fact, are doing so, 
We'll uh, be back another time, as will Jonah Rapino and his glorious strains. Uh, thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Enjoy enjoy your new uh, digs. Yep, spacious I'm, digs. I'm way ahead don't of feel you. don't feel bad about it. No, nope. inhabit a room. Go inhabit another one. Like, Whatever, you'll get around to it. Which room? Which room today? Like, I feel like there's a whole floor I'm not even using, and I'm like, why do mm-hmm. I have it? <laughs> well, for all you know, you could be uh, walking backwards and committing all manner of unspeakable Maybe crimes I'm at night. Maybe I'm actually living downstairs. Yeah, remember that movie that was so scary about the people who like hide in people's houses? Yeah, and they wore Is a that... frog. And they wore a frog mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking people under the stairs. No, you're talking about the Helen Hunt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it it can be a refuge for people. I was thinking about that movie recently. That was a weird one. I kind of liked it, though. What was it called? I don't remember. Uh, Yeah. There's this guy I know who is a pastor, and he just took a new call. And so there's like a parsonage, right, that he moved into. Mm. And so he was like, oh, this is great. And like, there's an extra bedroom that I don't need. So I've turned it into a prayer room. And he kind of like got a picture of like all of his prayer room stuff. Right. Hmm. And then someone comments, why haven't you taken in someone who's homeless? Why would, why would you let them live with wow. you? It's like, oh boy. Hey boy. Well. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for, thanks, that, for the... thanks for commenting. Yeah. Yikes. I thought I could be stealthy and look up the name of that movie, but she's, she's busy. I thought it would right? be at the top of her IMDb. She's been, oh. she's in, did you know she's in the TV show of blind spotting? I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Helen Hunt, by the way, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Candy Joe, I see you. That that was it. I see you. Hmm, yeah, that was a scary movie. Yeah. I felt, I don't know why I felt so uh, unnerved by it, but I, I did. It was another one of those where you don't, you have really no idea what's going on until it throws right. a whole bunch at you right at the end, if I remember. And right. uh, it, but it, you, ba- it was... you basically watch it again from a different vantage point yeah. and it explains things that were right and it makes it all the more horrible what you're watching as opposed to what was the one with dylan mcdermott that did similar stuff but then it didn't really come to anything right i don't know but uh yeah so like scoutmaster one right all right uh movies exist yeah I have sometimes a they're good i have a non-movie question for you oh sure um what is your take on the nephilim Ah, oh, the Nephilim. Um, here's the here's what here, I have a bit on that. Yeah, uh, or at least my professor did. Uh-huh. Uh, seminary. Uh, I think he made a big deal out of uh, not necessarily translating that as like. Well, it literally doesn't mean giants. It right. only comes to mean giants because at one time they're described as being large. The re- literal meaning of Nephilim is the losers, oh. the the ones who are defeated. Okay. So I think if I'm I'm really stretching back here, I'm probably not doing justice to this, but I think it was just kind of like the others, the other people in the land that we don't really talk about because they Mm. literally the losers of history. So uh, I don't think the idea is that there were once giants in the in the land. Right. I think that's a bit of of lore that gets piled on much like the, uh, you know, cherub. A cherub is a winged lion, which is a borrowed from Mesopotamia, the image, religious imagery. And then when Greek scholars are trying to translate things from what they think is Hebrew, they think it means keruv in Hebrew, which means like a young one, which is why we get Renaissance mm. art of right. fat babies. And they call them cherubs, but that's cherubs. just wrong. It's just a mistake. Huh. Yeah. 
Well, that's interesting. Anyway. I've got to I got to talk about that this week, and I like don't have much to say about it. And most of my when people ask me for Bible tidbits, most of the time my answer is, "Oh, that's a mistake." Right. Well, that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And not in the Bible necessarily, just in the the way everything you know is wrong. Right. Yeah. I was um. I was thinking about horses and donkeys mm. and how they make mules. And I was yeah. thinking, well, they're two different things. You know, they're different species, but they're able to reproduce with each other. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you know, King Philip, you know, kingdom phylum, you know, that little thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, genus, they're the same genus, it turns out. And so things that are the same genus can like mate. And so that leads me to like, well, what's in the, what's the human, what's, what's our genus, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we have genus mates and they're all extinct. Though likely huh. we did at one time um, interbreed with them. Is this like, um, like Piltdown Man type stuff? Like, so, uh, like, uh, like Neanderthal? Homo, or? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Neanderthal, Homo erectus. Mm-hmm. Like they're in the same human genus and they just... Uh, are extinct or they were just absorbed into the homo sapien genome um, so long ago. And I wondered if there were just like stories about that from the way, way long ago mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of like a different kind of creature that we lived alongside. Um, I don't yeah. know. Fascinating stuff. Ancient aliens. Yes. Right. All comes back to ancient aliens. Right. Well, there you go. That's uh, now you know what to talk about. Yeah, I'll probably talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah, do that. Uh, I recorded all that though. All that's going in. Oh, good. So goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.